reach a lot sooner than you think. They're just so alien. The aliens are so alien. I felt a great disturbance in the force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and suddenly silence. Do not attempt to adjust your brainwaves. We're controlling the frequency. You're about to experience the Storm Crowcast, beaming directly into your mind from the Storm Crow Alliance in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. Prepare yourself. Hi, everybody. We are the Storm Crowcast, uh, beaming to you live from the Storm Crow Ale House. And today, for our hosts, we have myself, which is, I don't know, I was leading up to that. Hey, you guys, you guys want to speak? I hate doing it. Um, guess who? Guess who? Y you picked the right medium. Yeah. <laughs> you can Let's lie and they'll never know. Yeah. I might be Taylor. Uh, and we also have... Uh, Leah. And Bray. <laughs> are you sure about that, Leah? Or yeah, are you going to try and lie? I'm still surprised. <laughs> and for our guest, we have... Hi, I'm Tyler James Nickel. I use my full name. Oh, yeah. and excited. I have three of them. They're each five letters long. <laughs> Ooh, mine are all six letters <laughs> well, long. There you go. We have something in common. Well. Among other yeah, things. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Yeah. And that's it. That's where we draw the line. Uh, so, Tyler, who are you? Oh, hi. Um, well, if you're listening to this, you probably know me from the Storm Crow Trivia Nights. Uh, hosting with Eric Fell as a Vancouver Quizmaster. Uh, if you've delved into Canadian independent animation, you might know me as Windigo from Kagagi the Raven, which was aired on the First Person's Television Network. Oh, nice. Uh, APTN. Yep. Uh, uh, and, uh, or I was Max the Pixie in the film Pixies. And I play Winfield Lovecraft in the upcoming Howard Lovecraft in the Undersea Kingdom film. Uh, along with being involved in... Uh, voice work. You also are heavily involved in the Vancouver burlesque community? I am. Thanks for reminding me. Apparently I forgot. <laughs> um, you uh, know. Yeah. I host uh, about once a month with the Screaming Chicken Theatrical Society at the Taboo Review, which is a non-profit burlesque show where we raise money so that we can rent space so people can rehearse burlesque. In a so safe burlesque for burlesque. Burlesque for burlesque's sake. Yes. Um, then I also do freelance shows around town. I just did Alice in Wonderland burlesque uh, coming up on uh, April 29th, either in your past or future, depending on when this is posted and listened to. Uh, Probably past. Uh, we did Glam Slam, and it was great, and yeah. everyone loved it. It was amazing. You yeah. should have gone. You should see the next Glam Slam. Yeah. It's going to be even even greater. It's Glam Slam? Glam Slam. It's burlesque and wrestling. Oh. So it's people <laughs> taking their clothes off or smacking their bodies against each other. I define it as all the things I used to do to my action figures. Oh, well, then we don't do that. Yeah. I think we already had this talk. I think, do we have this talk with Eric Fell as well? We were talking about mutilating action figures. I used to do the, the worst things to action figures. Uh, we figured out how to make like a big jar of molten wax. And we would just like dip He-Man figures in that. It's like, because we had like the slime pit you could do in, but the slime pit you could return from one day. <laughs> the molten wax was a far more permanent solution yeah. to, to those who had wrong. And wronged. now you're gone. Yeah. Um, wow, that's a that's weird thematic, you guys. As long as it was like inanimate objects and not animate objects, then we're fine at destroying yeah. them. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, and then <laughs> there's a weird reveal where like, and then a cat once. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> he, if you, if you want to know who, yeah. you want to know who hated the molten wax bin. I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, no cats were harmed in the recording of this podcast. All right. Yet, you know, <laughs> unless you have plans. So, um, a part of being a, in the burlesque community, like, how did you? First of all, how did you get involved in? Yes. Hosting, because you're not you're not a person who's uh, dancing and taking their clothes no, off I'm on stage, not. but you provide. I, I've been working towards it. Um, it is a genuine goal to one day do the boylesque. I I have a deep respect for everyone in the community and for how open they are with their bodies and their confidence. And it's not easy to get in your underpants in front of a whole crowd of people. I always have issues with that. It's not. It's it's <laughs> something. It's a it's a thing that we've been trained against since childhood. Um, depending on your parentage. 
But uh, I started, I used to do nerd conventions uh, in character. So I would do like, I would show up and be like, I'm Cobra Commander and I'm going to teach you how to be a Cobra Trooper. And I led like 200 people through SFU chanting Hail Cobra. Uh, and that haunted me for a few years afterwards. Because <laughs> nerds, nerds love a game. But um, so from there, I started hosting Nerd Burlesque, always in character. Um, and then from that, I kind of evolved to being my own character, which is Mr. Nickel on stage. Uh, first, Glam Slam, it's Mean Mr. Nickel, but just for the other ones, it's Mr. Nickel. And, uh, mean Mr. Nickel. Mean Mr. Nickel gets to swear at people, and if you've ever worked in retail or the service industry, can I suggest swearing at people on stage a lot? It really lets out some pressure. Ooh. Yeah, um, but no, I just I got, might have to get involved in this, too. <laughs> yeah. I got adopted in, uh, particularly through Screaming Chicken Theatrical Society. They, they kind of gave me a home, and that gave me a lot of other opportunities, and it was fun. So yeah, so I just started, I failed my way upwards, because people were like, he'll talk. And then they handed me a microphone. Yeah. Let's get the person who's willing to make a butt out of themselves and, th yep. and put them in front of everybody. Yep. There you go. Because nobody really, if you've ever done any, like, uh, hosting or anything like that, nobody really volunteers to be that person to go on stage a lot of the time. Um, unless you definitely have, like, some attention narcissistic issues. You're like, yes, put me up there. <laughs> People love me. And then that, that throws an entirely different problem. But It's, um, it's an interesting thing because, like, you can ruin the show really easily for everyone, and also no one's there for you. Like this, I, I have no illusions that like when I'm hosting a show, like my name on the poster is nice, but no one's going like, I'll go see him host, and then also naked people, I guess. It's like, no, they're coming for their friends, or they're, they're coming for like the stars in the community, and I get to be there, but like every write-up about a white straight male host of burlesque is usually because of the terrible thing he said the night before. There's very few, like, and he knocked it out of the park. It's like, <laughs> oh, and God. here's how we now have to make sure this never happens again is usually the end result. of. So you probably go into your shows with that goal in mind of not being that, I don't that wanna, man? I really don't want to be an article on a website. It's my goal. If I could just not be that. <laughs> yeah. If I could not be an example of, like, here's why we don't hire them again. I'm like, all right, that's, that's fair. I get it, but please hire me. <laughs> That's fair. I mean, uh, there's a lot. There's, there's always a fair amount of people already doing that, making mm -hmm. asses of themselves mm -hmm. and getting new. So look, it's a goal to not be that type of person on stage. Well, the whole goal of it too is to be a celebration, like celebration community. We're we're celebrating every different body type, every different orientation, sexual urge, nerdery, just like anything that's in your body that you're like, oh, usually, like literally, the name of the show is the taboo review. It's something that you're like, I like this, but society at large has taught me not to love it. And we're like, no, 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 love it so hard that you have to put it to music and make a costume with sequins. <laughs> like, please do that. Everything about it is awesome. We're all here to cheer the thing that you love that maybe everyone else says is weird. Yeah. That's what I like about any sort of like nerdery kind of stuff. I think like it, it meshes really well with people who have just have like really broad but like intense passions mm -hmm. um, about their stuff. Um, and before moving to Vancouver, like I come from Calgary, and there's like people. It's conservative, and no one likes taking their clothes off for any sort of reason um, on the prairies. Also, it's cold. <laughs> yeah. But um, I never it never like occurred to me how closely burlesque and like just geeky nerdy mm -hmm. things um, overlap until there's just like posters for like the geek enders and stuff yep. all over the city. There is a huge overlap of geek and uh, freak, and it's it's really fun. Like I Calgary this last year flew me over as a headliner host, and it was super nice of them. And like every act, I was basically like inundated with different like everything from just celebrating a love of sequins. Like literally, one of them was just a love of sequin acts to fire acts to like. Um, there's an act, it wasn't there, but another act I've seen just like talking about, I think the nerdiest straight nerd love I've ever seen. Rihanna Conda had an act where she just gave it to a giant picture of Jeff Goldblum. Like it's just a picture of Jeff Goldblum's <laughs> face and she just grinds on it. And I'm like, that's all that act needs to be. <laughs> yeah. Just with the sound bite of that laugh playing in the background. <laughs> 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 I mean, really, who doesn't want to grind on Jeff Goldblum? It's everyone. <laughs> sometimes they do, and sometimes they don't. Yeah, yeah. Depends on the bloom. Depends on yeah. Depends on which movie. Would you rather grind on Jurassic Park Jeff Goldblum or Lost World Jeff Goldblum? 
uh, Jurassic Park. Well, he's in his draw me like one of your French girl poses, yeah, exactly. yeah. well half injured, just like at, at the whole movie. He's so the glamorous. one that gets his shirt ripped open yeah. and has to sexy pose as he's hurt on everything, and everyone else is just like, "No, like I'm a scientist. I have a job." Damn yeah. it! He's like, "I was brought here because chaos." Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! I'm the arm candy. I'm your skinny arm candy. Yeah. Um, so. Part of the burlesque thing, you got sent to Munich? I did. Mm. I performed for Germans. <laughs> I love Germans so much. Um, I can't speak German whatsoever. That's why we're friends. Yeah, that's good, yeah. <laughs> um, I can kind of, it was funny, so like I can do a German accent, but I cannot speak with a German accent in German. So I had, I had it was the, like Munich International Burlesque Festival. I had this big shtick ready. Um, my my brother-in-law's girlfriend is a native German, so I had her translate like a whole page of German for me. And the gag was that I paid a German translator to translate my famous Canadian jokes. And all it was was the German translator making fun of me in the German that I couldn't speak. So it was like me in German saying, like, this guy didn't pay me. You should, like, enjoy the show, but he's a big piece of crap, like that kind of thing. And so before the show, I read it to our German stage kitty. And he's like, yeah, don't do not do that. <laughs> I'm like, oh, is it not funny? He's like, no, you just can't pronounce a single word of it. <laughs> he's like, it sounds like you have head trauma. It's really brutal. Like, no one's going to have fun with that. It's, it's bad. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I'm just trying to save you. Like, it's just, please, please don't. So I just... You needed a it. dialect coach. Yeah, I yeah, really did. On top of everything. I, I Well, and she offered. I just didn't take her up on it. But, um, but like, it's it came down to me just coming out and be like, hi, everyone, like, I'm Mr. Nickel, and welcome to the show. Like, bienvenue. Ich bin ein Dummkopf. And, like, that's what I, like, got it downgraded to just, like, <laughs> yeah. one word of German, where even that was like, eh. I'm told that means uh, I am great, and I'm, ple I'm pleased to see yeah. you all. Yeah, yeah. exactly, exactly. Um, backing up slightly, what is a stage kitty? Oh, so uh, there's many moving parts. <laughs> Bray looks really show. enthralled yeah. by this yeah, question yeah. right now. Um, Tell so, me more. So... You're trying to be sexy when you're stripping off in burlesque. Like, even if it's silly sexy. Uh, April O'Peel, by the way, in town, best silly sexy that you could get for your Sorry, money. Sorry, April O'Peel? April O'Peel. Oh. Like April O'Neil, but mm. appeal. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, so, and so the goal is, though, at the end, usually the punchline of the number is, and now I'm in my underpants and pasties, and goodbye. Mm. So you don't want to then end it after that with, and now give me five minutes to clean up my clothes. Right. Okay. So you have stage kitties whose main job it is to set up the next act and sweep the stage clean of clothes so that it's a, a nice empty palette for the next artist. Mm. Um, and you can interact with them, and sometimes they make themselves more of it, and sometimes they're kind of more like roadie background, dark colors, just trying to like get the show going. It depends on the show. Okay. Um, usually at Taboo, we have them like in some thematic dress, and we'll definitely draw attention of them, make them slowly pick something up with butt towards the audience, that kind of thing. I uh, think for uh, Patrick Milley, his New Year's celebration... Um, I don't know what happened to their stage kitties, but the gentleman hecklers ended up being the yeah, stage kitties. Happens. It happens, you know. Yeah. So stage kitty <laughs> is, is, is like, you know, in, in any theatrical show, there's a lot of moving parts and not all of them are visible, but a stage kitty is a huge help. Particularly, like, my usual one is I just keep talking until the kitties stop moving. Mm -hmm. So it's like, once the kitties have swept the stage and set up, I'm like, all right, I'm done. Intro to the next person. <laughs> like, they're my cue just for... And scene. Okay. Yeah, I've go. had it before where I literally tell them, like, there's so much setup. Just give me, like, just walk behind me and pat me on the back when I should stop talking. <laughs> like, and that happened at the uh, Alice in Wonderland show. I had to have a lot of just, like, gentle shoulder taps. <laughs> You're done now. Um... Back to the Munich show. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> on top of burlesque, it's burlesque theme. It is. Um, one of my favorite stories you've ever told me was how, and I, I come from a German background, and I lived in Germany, and I actually have a tattoo of a clock, which is hilarious, but uh, you told some jokes about clocks that the German yeah. people didn't quite understand. Was, so the German people are very literal people. I was told that ahead. A lot of my, like, burlesque coasting is very vaudeville, so there's a lot of puns and a lot of that kind of stuff. And so the first two and a half acts of burlesque at Munich Burlesque Festival, I was getting no response from the audience. And I was actually like backstage mid-breakdown. I was just like, I flew across the Atlantic Ocean to bomb. <laughs> like, this is bad. This is Welcome to Germany. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, this is not. I am very amused right now. This is not good. And so I get um, uh, Norm Elmore, who does a lot of shows around here, is a producer and really helps out. Uh, Mr. On is his burlesque name. It's just Norm backwards. Uh, <laughs> comes up to me, he's like, hey, you know how in Canada we tell you not to do self-deprecating humor because it like encourages self-bullying and like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They love that here. 
Just do that. <laughs> just really dig just in really on really rip talk on Talk about how Canada's crap and Germany's great and how you're stupid and they're smart. Just <laughs> do that. And uh, like schadenfreude. It immediately turned the show around and it was great. But I was making a lot of jokes because I, I was in Munich for a couple of days before the show. I was saying like, you know what would be great in this town is a, a big, a real big clock. Just really high up on a tower, because the other day I swept my head 10 degrees and didn't know what time it was. I had to do another 12, and then there was a clock. And so the I did Germans that. love their clocks and Germans? their church bells. Every hour, yeah. in every part of town, you will know what time it is, no matter what. So you can be on time. Very punctual. So I do this joke, and it does like middling response with them. And then I get messages the next day on Facebook. People found me, and they're messaging me, asking me to explain jokes, which usually is... You're dissecting a frog, no one wants to watch, and the frog dies. Um, <laughs> but um, so, like, like you, you say this thing about clocks, like, there's so many clocks. Like, why would that be a source of amusement? I was like, oh, like, so yeah. And I'm like, well, in Vancouver, there's like maybe two like very visible public clocks. So here it was just kind of overwhelming of how many there are. I was like, oh yes, I could see how that change would be very dramatic for you. <laughs> That's that is in retrospect quite a funny observation. <laughs> like, I'm like, all right, good. I'm glad a day later and through text we nailed that one. <laughs> that person's just at home going, ha ha. Yeah. And then, and then no, I get it. We we we, we were in our we were in our Uber over there. Um, and this kind of thing, like talking about, like, like, oh, you like, you know, you didn't get, Uber. yeah, you didn't get to do Oktoberfest. Like, it's fun. Like, the sister of Oktoberfest, the six-month Oktoberfest is coming up soon. Like, it's a shame you're not here for that. I'm like, oh, we don't really drink. It was my, my partner and I, and he goes like, well, there's wine. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, nailed it. Thanks, yeah. Germany. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. 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 The, the Germans straight up did not understand one that I do not take alcohol. And two, that I kept refer letting them know smoking is bad for you. They're just like, no, nah, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah when, I was, when I was there, they had uh, smoking booths in airports, which struck me as odd. But then, mm -hmm. like, getting to know people, and they'd be, like, still smoking inside their houses. And that's in Canada, that's been, like, gone the way of the dinosaur in the last 20 years. Like, I can't remember the last time I was in somebody's apartment or house where they were smoking inside the Or at least tobacco. House. Smoking tobacco, yes. Because we're so young. Yeah. I think yeah. To like several millennia of age in a culture, like just let us die already. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. <laughs> well, in the end. Yes. Well, well, These well, like, there would be like eighteen-year-old people like smoking like chimneys, chain smoking, and I'd be like, oh, okay, this I is a thing. Cultures are different. I made a joke. They have clocks. We don't smoke. <laughs> there you go. I made a joke there right before their intermission, talking about like how I don't drink, and I'm like, but tell you what, everybody here, order two drinks. I'll be back after the intermission. Let's pretend that one of them was for me and I got sloshed tonight. And so we're waiting for the intermission to end, and it's like five minutes past when it should have been, which for burlesque is not odd. But the guy from the front comes like, yeah, it'll just be a bit like the, the line is really long um, for the drinks. Everyone's buying two drinks because you said to. And I'm like, did I just buy a round for a theater? Because I do not have that on me. <laughs> He's like, no, no, everyone's paying for it. They're like, like one's for me, one's for him, haha. -ha. And like, they come into the tables with two drinks, and they think it's really funny, so they're just both now drinking two drinks because you said to drink two. And I'm like, these are literal people, and also you are welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we made extra money, thank you. Yeah. I'm like more curious about like realizing that like you were talking about like, mm -hmm. essentially you have to like run the crowd. Yes, you got to keep the energy, and sometimes you have to change the energy from, wasn't that last act hilarious? Now, this one's going to be quiet, gentle, and artistic. <laughs> like, you got to kind of, you got to veer the boat real dramatic. I have gone from, like, literally a clown act to, like, our next one talks about suicide in the military. Like, you got to, you got to turn the wheel hard on that one. <laughs> you that presents some challenges. It's interesting. Have you ever had to, like, so burlesque is very interactive. Um, you are supposed to shout at like the people, preferably a loving shout. I, I find like people will shout "take it off," which I find redundant at a burlesque show. <laughs> it's gonna happen. Yeah, it's like it's like okay, it's like shouting in Vancouver, "make it rain." Like it's gonna like you're gonna find it. Don't worry. Um, but like I have had to police a crowd where um, basically like people forget that we're not Netflix and that we can hear you, and if you're maybe saying quiet, shitty things to your friends in the front row. Maybe you just made a performer go backstage and cry. Right. And that's not fun. And I don't like that. Uh, so Performers I have, are real people, too. I've, I've, yeah. I've had to go out and remind people that, one, we can hear when you talk, and two, you can leave and you cannot get your money back if you're not having fun. Like, it's great, you tried it, and, like, thanks for your contribution, and you can go home now. And that just, like, the whole spirit of it is supposed to be, like, the audience is sexy, 
we are sexy. We're here to embrace ourselves and support ourselves. And if you're not in the spirit of that, you are more than welcome to fuck off back home. <laughs> like, I, just, I don't want you here. Um, but I've also had just like straight up like hecklers who won't shut up. And what they want there is just they want to be the center of attention. They don't understand like, well, he's up there talking. I too am capable of the act of talk. <laughs> it seems nice to have everyone looking at you it's and clapping. Right yeah. So what I usually do is uh, it's in the same way that if someone asks for more light, if you just focus a magnifying glass on them until they burn. Um, right. I just I do that so I focus all the attention on them, and that usually really shuts them up because they realize they had nothing to say. <laughs> so especially at um, the glam slam wrestling, uh, my character is a heel. So when I come out, it's very like pantomime children's show. Like you boo, you cheer. So for me, you're supposed to boo. And uh, the other show, I did have one woman who was just screaming the whole like like and like playfully like get off the stage. We hate you. Like in a playful, fun way that I can manage for that. So what I did was pretend she was deeply in love with me. And just every time she was like, I "You're embarrassing you. yourself." Oh, hey, you get away here. And I'm like, "Everyone, be quiet. My love needs words. Yes, my love, please." And she would just scream, hate it, and be like, "Oh, I know your passion. It burns so bright." <laughs> but I must, I must, with more of the show. I would all night if I could, my sweet precious rose. But <laughs> the show must continue afterwards. Kissy, kissy. But <laughs> and that would, of course, just ramp up her inherent rage. Oh, nice. And it was for me the best thing ever. Cause you just get a <laughs> I get I get a, s a sick joy out of when people heckle and then the comedians just destroy. Oh, I watch them. heckler videos all day. Yeah, long. I I love it. It's just like ooh, justice porns that like, sort of again Schadenfreude, which is like uh, shame joy, yep. literally translated. Yeah, um, yeah it's just oh. oh. No. Yes. For a heckler. But it was like they did that to themselves. You're breaking the oh, so. Yeah. yeah. You feel bad more for the friends that accidentally brought them. Yeah, like yeah. was it's it's. Yeah. I I have had on ones that just wouldn't shut. Like, God damn like, A heckler is one thing. That's a person that's just too enthused about the show, and you have to kind of recognize that energy. Be like, no, no, no. They don't hate the show. They're just. They're excited to be there, and they want to be part of it more than anything. They wish they were up on stage with you, and you just got to give them a little sliver of that, and then they can move on. It's like if someone's having a conversation in the audience, and it's like, you, you can go. And that's a whole lot harder to like shame someone on or get someone out. It's because it's there's, there's no energy to deflect or redirect there because there's no energy from them. So it's, it's literally just like shouting at someone like, you're not having fun. You're right. <laughs> I'm yeah. not, and I'm trying to distract myself by any means possible. It's like, well, what if I pay more attention to you? I'm not helping. Still just <laughs> kind of bummed out. Like, oh, see you later. Like, it's just, so yeah, on those ones, I kind of just get the people around them to, like, mob mentality. <laughs> Shut them down and be like, and guys, if you hear them talking, please do me a favor and just start smacking. I don't like this gentle, gentle, not pain-induced, but just set their hair, in. make them uncomfortable. Just, just go, <laughs> go down and sit with them and just be like, hi. Yeah. No, just hi. Have a chat. So let's have a little chat. What I've are you talking ones, about? Yeah, I've just repeated their conversation back over the mic before. <laughs> oh just, my god. Yeah. Like, oh, like, I, well, I don't know what Jessica's going She doesn't know what Jessica's going to do at work tomorrow, everybody. <laughs> we have to know. And that kind of shuts them down just because they don't want people eavesdropping on the conversation they're having in the middle of a crowd while it's silent. <laughs> Which is she put what where? But yeah. <laughs> oh, if I if I could tell you some of the horrifying things I've overheard in the audience, I don't know how dirty I should be on this podcast. But oh, please, I please be as dirty as you want. <laughs> so this is by far. <laughs> The dirtiest thing I've ever overheard walking through a burlesque audience. This is why we have an explicit rating. Okay, good. So, yeah. yeah. She's ready for this. So the thing the person was saying to her friend, and first of all, bless her. I'm glad she had a great night, and congratulations on whoever this was about. Word for word, the line was, so I don't know if he had the biggest dick in the world or my vagina got smaller overnight, <laughs> but he ruined it. <laughs> <laughs> and I was Bravo. Like, I'm on my way to get a water and I just stop and I just like look over and I'm like I I have nothing to add <laughs> like I don't it was one of those like magic the con like the whole crowd got quiet for that little part things where it's just like yeah, that is that, that is better than anything I will say right into after. a microphone tonight 
Um, I was gonna say, working in the service industry uh, and and you know comedy, when you're working around people and you're and people think that you're kind of like this ghost and you're not paying attention, yeah. but we hear stuff like that all oh the time. Yeah. Oh, oh, and it's amazing. Now I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but just so you know, your servers do hear you, and We're we do remember yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you're saying. I do have one, the one my favorite like overheard from a table story that I have. It wasn't at the Stormcrow. It was when I was working in Calgary. It was like this like upscale Italian bistro, and there was a group of old white men sitting around a table. And uh, this one guy was like, yeah, but you know what? It's just not really worth it to have a Maison in France right now. The taxation is just oh crazy. Oh, the taxation, I know. <laughs> oh, I hate my life. <laughs> also, also, I just want to like not steal overheards from Stop Podcasting Yourself, by the way. If you've never heard Stop Podcasting Yourself with Dave Shumka and Graham Clark, listen to that on a different network than what this is. But yeah, no, I'll just stop, plug we're, a we're, podcast no, we're a fan podcast. of Stop Podcasting Yourself. We're big fans of those guys. Yeah. Hi, Stop Podcasting Yourself. Oh, they'll never hear it, but it's fine. <laughs> maybe maybe this will eventually, hopefully, twist their arm and we can have them on. That's true. Yeah. I, I enjoy them. I follow Dave Shumka and his wife just for photos of their dog. They have a baby, too, which is great, whatever. But, um, <laughs> their dog, they I feel the same way. Dave named his dog Grandpa. <laughs> so that you can say stuff like Grandpa pissed on the floor last night. What kind of dog is Grandpa? A small black one? I'm bad with dog breeds. Kind of like An old dog now. It's a saying where, like, or that thing, meme, I guess, where people go, like, what's your dog? Oh, well, he's half corgi, and he's, like, 1 16th Cherokee. And your cat, what's this cat? Oh, I don't know. He's an asshole. We don't know. Bray, we should go through some of your awesome questions. Well, yeah, let's. Oh, I mean, there's questions for me. No, they're written. We are so organized. Oh, it's wow. almost like we've. You've done this upwards of before. Upwards of once before. It's yeah, like yeah, yeah. I've, um, I've grabbed the reins and I'm holding on, white knuckling in. Be like, I'm going to steer this life. podcast to success. I, I honestly came in forgetting that we were just going to talk about me the whole time. I was just like, oh, yeah, I'll chat. We're buddies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, whatever. I don't care. Um, I, like, why don't we like talk a bit more about your like voiceover and okay. animation stuff? Because I yeah. find that super interesting. Yeah. How'd you get into that? Uh, I fell upwards into it, as I do with everything in my life. Um, so uh, when I was at uh, Simon Fraser University, uh, which I graduated, which means all of those checks were cleared, uh, <laughs> in the words of the person sitting next to me during my conv convocation ceremony, C's get degrees. Uh, so <laughs> made all. Made I tried hard for nothing? I would like to thank Wikipedia for my uh, diploma <laughs> on the wall, because it helped a lot. Um, but uh, while I was there, they were doing uh, what's called a scratch track for a feature film, and scratch track is when you get some actors in to record lines that you're 99% sure you're going to remove before the end, but you want to get animating before you hire the famous people. Because uh, animation, despite what some movies show, uh, does go usually like script, voice actor, then you animate to the voice actor, mm -hmm. and then final, not like animate, and then make someone have to talk over it. Um, but in this one, the scratch track is really just for pacing. So it's like, okay, like we're on, not going to animate the face of the character or anything, but this way we know, like, oh, this scene is 40 seconds long. This scene takes this long to get. It's that kind of thing. So I did an audition for that. Uh, it was a movie called Clockwork Girl, uh, written by Kevin Hanna and directed by Sean O'Reilly for Arcana Studios there. Um, and then I got placed as one of the major characters in it for the scratch track, and I started just pitching lines on it while I was there because it was a really long record. Uh, there was like all of us around tabling it. We had a lot of rewrites going on. So I just started like, oh, you're doing new jokes? I like jokes. Just started throwing jokes in. So they I do the jokes. Yeah. So they brought me in to write some jokes that went to the actual characters later, um, which meant that I got to write uh, jokes for Jeffrey Tambor on that oh. one, which was really fun. Uh, he did uh, a bunch of really good lines. My favorite line I wrote that didn't get in, but I still recorded it. The recording of it is out there somewhere. Um, he's, he's a mad scientist who has created a robot daughter and he's trying to teach her about the world and it's doing like a montage kind of thing and it comes in at one point and he just says, and when those two chemicals are combined, it creates quite a powerful explosion. So to answer your question, that's why that part of the lab is new. <laughs> Which I like. Yeah, that one had uh, Alexa Vega on it. Um, it was, it was a fun one. It didn't, it got the minorest of releases. I think like Super Channel had it. What's Super Channel? Super Channel is uh, on terrestrial cable. Super Channel exists on like if you buy, pay for cable TV and get oh, a bunch of channels. Oh, I haven't had cable in. I used to live 
for the days when like Shaw or whatever would give you like free Super Channel for right. a weekend. That was my shit as a 12-year-old. Yeah. So it aired on that. Right, um, okay. And then I made really good friends with Kevin Hanna and friends with Arcana Studios. Um, Kevin has since let me work on things that he's been working on, such as, like, I worked on Plants vs. Zombies, uh, Heroes. Hey, that's I, relevant to the Stormcrow. That's relevant to Stormcrow. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wrote on the latest Plants vs. Zombies Heroes, and I wrote a game with him for Zynga that was called Fairy Tale Twist, and we got to do uh, voice recording with Alan Tudyk and Gillian Jacobs. Um, okay, and I just want to say, Alan Tudyk, he is the most... So he's like underrated but overrated. He like is. he's like people know who he is. So he's rated. Well, he's rated. <laughs> he is rated because like people seem to know who he is, and like mm. especially in nerd circles. But he's been in so many things. Oh yeah. Uh, he's been oh just like and he's oh, done voices for like just like he's got a huge breadth of work, and that yet yeah, he's still like very much a minor actor if, in some ways. If I could tell a great embarrassing Alan Tudyk story. Oh yes. <laughs> I don't know why you'd want an amusing nerd story on this, but. Uh, so we were recording Alan Tudyk no. for the day. Um, so I wrote the script. He was playing Rumpelstiltskin. Um, so I wrote Alan Tudyk Rumpelstiltskin lines, which is still a feather in my cap forever. Uh, and he came in, and I was lucky enough to be down in L.A. to actually like help direct him. And so we're, we're chilling on the lunch break. And if you ever do get to meet actors, uh, two suggestions. One, don't ask for a photo with them, because then they are a human to you, and you can actually pretend to be friends, and that's fun. Um, and two, try to reference one of the pieces of their work that you know they like that they don't get to talk about much, which usually is a result of stalking. But um, so I uh, referenced iRobot, where he plays Sonny, the robot. Yes, yep. And I was talking about how they filmed that in New Westminster, which is where I live. And it's like, oh, that's really cool. And we had like a really nice little chat about that. And then at the end, I um, didn't gauge our friendship correctly. <laughs> so our, our break ends, and I'm like, all right, voice monkey, back in the booth. And the look he gave to me was very much, we are not at that place yet. <laughs> and, my, and Kevin, who was with me in that record, just turns and looks at me. And I'm like, you're going to be saying voice monkey a lot to me, aren't you? Yeah, you ruined that. Because <laughs> you ruined that. <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah, so that was me just really swinging a miss. On oh, God. Well, nothing ventured, nothing gained. Yeah, yeah, but Gillian Jacobs. Can't get them all in. She liked it. Yeah, um, so after that, I've worked with Arcana a lot more. Um, I got to be a supervillain in a First Nations TV show. I could call Kagagi the Raven, um, written by my buddy Jay. Uh, and it was uh, really cool. It was on uh, Aboriginal People's Television Network. I think it's still airing worldwide on like, different networks and stuff. Uh, and uh, it was also re-recorded in original Algonquin, which is one of the first shows Ooh. to do that. So I did not speak the Algonquin, because I would not want to, one, take the job from someone who is a native Algonquin speaker, and two, I would also be incapable of the act. So. Oh, yeah. I, I did studies of various indigenous languages uh, like Canadian native languages, and I love them in, in the fact that like they are so completely unlike anything we are used mm -hmm. to as like English speakers, which is you know a Germanic language. But just yeah, yeah. It's, there's some sounds. There's a lot of acrobatics for things with, that you can do with your mouth. It's it's but they're amazing and they're beautiful. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's really cool. So I did that. I did um, Max the Pixie in a movie called Pixies. Um, that one has Christopher Plummer and uh, the late Bill Paxton. In it, so I got to have a scene with Bill Paxton. That was fun. Aww. Uh, and then lately, I am now in the. We just finished part two of a three-part trilogy on a young H.P. Lovecraft, <laughs> uh, called Howard Lovecraft. It was originally a comic. Um, in three parts, it's Howard Lovecraft and the Frozen Kingdom, Howard Lovecraft and the Undersea Kingdom, and Howard Lovecraft and another kingdom that I forgot. <laughs> but there's another kingdom. The the best kingdom. For, I think Forbidden. I think the last one's Forbidden. Um, so I play his father, uh, Winfield Lovecraft, who is in a sanitarium. Um, so in the first movie, this is a really good suggestion I got from the film uh, I Know That Voice, uh, which if you haven't seen it, watch it. I love that movie. It's so good. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, what is this? It's about voice acting. Oh, and about, okay. like, the hidden, figured, yeah. It's about the hidden people behind voice acting who have been your childhood your whole life who you never might write. Like, they could walk by you in the street and you'd never know. That, like, oh, that person was, like, your favorite superhero for your whole life. Um, so it's really cool. But their suggestion was if you want to do a new voice, do two impressions you do poorly mashed together. <laughs> so for Winfield Lovecraft, I'm like, oh, I can kind of do a Joker impression, and I can kind of do Daniel Plainview from There Might Be Blood. <laughs> <laughs> so if I push those together, <laughs> then I can be like, Howard, Howard, my boy, you found it. <laughs> like, just like have some peaks and valleys in it, and it was really fun. And then we're doing the second movie, and I'm in the booth recording, and, and the director, Sean O'Reilly, uh, comes over the thing. He's like, did we tell you who you're acting with in this scene? 
because again in voice acting you're alone in a booth for, unless it's like a very special project you very rarely meet the other actors for it um, so I'm alone in the booth and I'm recording my parts for a conversation and he goes oh we hired uh, Mark Hamill for for <laughs> the opposite part right? yeah, well, uh, and I'm like, oh, it's funny. It sounded like you said Mark Hamill. <laughs> and it's like, no, like Mark Hamill. I'm like, no, it's like Luke Skywalker, though. <laughs> yeah, Mark Hamill's in this movie. You're acting next to him right now as you're seeing these lines. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm doing the Joker impression right now. <laughs> and he's like, what? he's like, what? I'm like, voice that I'm doing is my Mark Hamill impression. <laughs> Do you think he'll notice? <laughs> And we don't know yet, because it hasn't come out. But if uh, in October, when Howard Lovecraft and the Other Sea Kingdom comes out, if a lot of people, my, my goal, my goal is, why did Mark Hamill use a fake second name for his other characters? <laughs> if I can get that as a review, and this not, why is this guy slaughtering a Joker voice? <laughs> um, for it, because yeah, like it's, I, I have a lot more lines in the second film. And I'm an insane person, so I am I'm shouting and in the film right now. In the film, oh, all right, um, <laughs> in the film and shouting a lot like that kind of stuff. And um, they had me just improvise mumbles a lot because my character will just be wandering off. So I literally would just like been like, oh hello, oh look at you, Mr. Tree. Oh, your bark is worth in your bite. Oh, let's see if you have any teeth down here. There's nothing I can see. Oh, nope, found one. Nope, that's my own. Fell out. All right, that's fine. Like, <laughs> and just doing that, and I'm like, just re-listening to it. I'm like, that's that's just the joke. <laughs> there's, there's no hints of other things in there. But in a retirement center. But in a retirement center, so we'll see how that works out, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, and then, yeah, and then the last, latest one I think was in was uh, Red Sonja motion comic, which was fun because I got killed by Red Sonja like eight times because it's a motion comic. You play a lot more characters. They're expecting a lot less voice variety. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so now the Red Sonja official Instagram usually reposts if I post something Red Sonja related, which is fun. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, do you find... I don't know, like, do you find that there's a lot of difference between your, like, in real life physical acting and performance versus voiceover? And, like, is there one yes. that you prefer more? Yes, I'm good when it's voiceover. <laughs> um, so I have, I have done real life acting, um, award winning real life acting. Horn tooted. Horn But I, I work with a group called Mega Steak Man. Mm -hmm. uh, we did um, most of the famous videos I'm not in, probably for a reason. But they did uh, Pokemon Apocalypse, which was a few years ago. It was like a gritty, real-life Pokemon video trailer. I think I've seen that. You've yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. seen it. And lately we did uh, Game of Hyrule, mm. which was Game of Thrones-level video for a, a Legend of Zelda Game of Thrones. Uh, the ones I did with them a lot was uh, 28 Geeks Later, mm. which is me and my writing partner, uh, JJ Webb, as two zombies arguing over them not being the right type of zombie. <laughs> Uh, so it's literally like I'm a nerdy zombie. He's kind of a nerdy zombie, but a little more like together with like moving forward with the situation they've been handed. But I'm just like bitching the whole time. Like we shouldn't be able to run. We shouldn't be able to talk. I got shot in the head. I didn't die. That's bullshit. <laughs> like, well, what's going on there? So yeah, we did that. And I've also worked with the uh, illustrious Luchagor, uh, mm -hmm. which is a Canadian Mexican group uh, helmed by uh, Gigi, my friend. Uh, Gigi, she does great work, and I was Slammy the Clown in one of their shorts, and they have since aired on Crypt TV, which is aired by, uh, owned by Eli Roth, Ooh. his company. So Eli Roth has seen me be an evil clown, which I enjoy. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's voice acting. I can focus on one part of performance. Hmm. So voice acting, like I can do. I don't have to worry about what my face looks like. I don't have to worry about any gestures I'm doing, what I'm wearing. Like I can just really focus. And I mean, it's one of the only parts of my life that I actually kind of get hoity-toity arty about. Mm -hmm. It was like, no, like I'm trying to inhabit this character. I'm trying to say his words with the thought of them being a naturalistic part of his speech. Like I'm not just reading lines. I'm trying to inhabit it. And I find it so much easier when I don't have to worry about like, oh, and then like my eye twitched. Like and now I have to redo the whole scene because like, oh, like I don't really like the angle the light hit my face on that. Like I don't, it's yeah. like you don't have to be vain about it. You can just like give a performance. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really fun. I did for Pixies as Max the Pixie. I actually did a, a, a haka. Like the, we, we got permissions to do. Oh, yeah. Like the, uh, the Polynesian the yeah. dance. Yeah. The Polynesian like oh. war. Like or we got. We, is it just, I don't know if it's just. Zealand, I, I think it might be New Zealand, but we got permission from the pe from the tribe whose haka it was, and I learned it perfectly phonetically. I cannot do it right now, oh, <laughs> but damn. yeah, but I learned it perfectly, and I had to like it took like five takes, and it's just 
in a dumb cartoon character voice trying to pay tribute <laughs> to this group and tribe who has a deep history and a deep meaning behind the things you're doing but still trying to make it funny and like so the voice I did for that one is pretty much Patrick Starfish Oh. So I was just so I was talking like this like the whole time and I'm like oh I like tacos and I'm a little pixie and all that and then I had to go really fiercely into a war chant <laughs> to keep this tone to the voice. <laughs> so I si- I still remember the beginning. It's just like akamate kamate kora akamate kamate kora and like do that and like pound- I was pounding my chest as you're supposed to because it's a thing about like making the right sound. You actually have to hit your diaphragm and throat and stuff like that to do it. And at the end I did end it with like the big tongue out and like the the war face scream kind of thing. And yeah, it's like the kind of thing where you're balancing, like, I have to both be silly and really respectful right now. Yeah. Uh, probably presents some challenges. Yeah. 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 That's an interesting art direction to have to deal with. Yeah. 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 I, was just, I was just dancing to the, to the construction of the background. Oh, yeah. Which I'm not sure if the listener can hear right now. Also, uh, hello, listener. Hello, listeners. <laughs> or one listener. Yeah, just one. Just the one. Come well, on. I, I imagine podcasts are usually a one at the time thing. So if you just refer to them as the one listener, they feel oh, special. Yeah, it's very it's rare that, like, maybe in a car, if you're in your car right now, by the way, look out up on the right. There's a pedestrian trying to go. You're good. You're good. Um, <laughs> but, but usually it's like a one person in their head thing. I love podcasts, by the way. Hmm. I love them yes. so much. I, I'm a big fan of podcasts. And we actually frequently listen to them while driving, mm-hmm. which drives me crazy. Um, right. If you've ever tried to listen to Dan Carlin on a putt, like a long road trip after a while, it's just... I, I drift away. I fall asleep. I like Dan Carlin, and he has a lot of great things to say um, most of the time. And, but his voice is both aggressive and uh, relaxing, I find it, because it really does like Aggressively relaxing. Aggressively so relaxing. <laughs> yeah. So I, I often find myself uh, drifting away. Uh, more of the hardcore history podcasts, because they are so incredibly detailed. Mm. And then this person did this. 2,000 years ago, and we will read the entire recount of what he said, and then here's another person who's describing that exact same thing at that same time, but with different words. That's why I Mm. very much enjoy Last Podcast on the Left, which is an intensely well-researched show um, that's about, like, paranormal activity and serial killers. He's writing that down so fast. Yeah, it's right up my alley. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Murder, you say. Conspiracy theories. Murder and ghosts? Intentional. Intensely well researched. So, like, they have an HH Holmes, which is usually what I tell people to start on. If you're starting on last podcast, start on their like four part. Was it the murder Holmes? Okay. Wait, HH Holmes made the murder castle. Murder castle. Sorry, uh, I know in how Chicago. you love the murder castle. Um, intensely re. There's a murder oh, castle. Can I talk about murder? Uh, if, Please if, do. Like, oh, yeah. I. So this is. We'll get this on the record. I love murder. <laughs> <laughs> um, I find. Uh, taking the life of another human is one of the most extreme acts a human being can take, and the levels that would bring someone to that deepness of depravity is fascinating. That's my that's my top of the game here, talking about that I don't think murderers... I don't like the idea of wearing a Manson T-shirt. I don't like the idea of getting a Ted Bundy tattoo. I think that's really weird to, like, de- like deify the murderer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but I do find the act itself deeply fascinating how someone could become that broken and that detached from society norms. Um, so H.H. H. Holmes uh, in Chicago during the Chicago World Fair was... What, what about time is that? Uh, like, I want to say late 1800s? Okay. okay. Yeah. Um, I wa- I, obviously, I research really well. Uh, it's all mixed up in my head with other stuff. But uh, during the same time as Jack the Ripper. So it would have been okay, 150 okay. years ago from right now. So mid-1800s, I guess. Um, so he was a, a brilliant con man slash murderer. And he built a murder castle, and what he would do is he was building this huge three-story building on the corner in Chicago during World Fair, and he would hire a contractor for like a couple weeks and then just complain about their work and fire them without paying them. So no one knew how the building was exactly set up. No one knew all the weird secret passageways yeah. and like is gas pipe hookups. Is the guy like, who would bring people in and then just like chase them and like because the house made no sense? Uh, well, he wouldn't, he wasn't, so there's uh, two different types of killing. There's product killers <laughs> and process killers. So he was more a product killer. Like, the killing itself, he was, it wasn't like, oh, like, I'm going to rip the body apart and that's what makes me excited. He says, like, I just like that I killed someone and then I do stuff to the body after. And process, you're more like, oh, I want, like, the slow act of a torturous death. Mm-hmm. So he was more product. So he literally just, like, every room had a gas tube in it. And he would just, in his bedroom, turn on the gas, look through a little peephole. He'd be like, oh, you're dead now. And then, like strip your body and sell your skeleton to medical research. 
Um, At least he's giving back to the yeah, community. There's, yeah. there's, he had there's a lot of skeletons. So the interesting thing about uh, the murder castle is that they have no clear numbers. It could be anywhere from 20 to 300. Because wow. it was the World's Fair. It was a huge transient community coming in and out. And there's just functionally no way of knowing because he wasn't keeping mm-hmm. records mm-hmm. of like how many people came in and never came back out. That um, strikes me as like a bad move for a murderer, like keeping very detailed yeah. records of who and what. Well, I mean, yeah. a lot of people keep souvenirs and that kind of stuff yeah. as part of the compulsion. Um, but it's, yeah, so like he was just, and the thing that got him caught was his conning. Eventually he went on the, just a con <laughs> rampage because he was running from creditors. Oh. and Right. <laughs> And that kind of stuff. And so it wasn't sorry, like it wasn't the <laughs> it wasn't the murders that caught up with him. It was the fact that like he literally just couldn't stop trying to swindle people out of money. Yeah. And that's what like caught him. And then they're like, let's go to his house, and we're like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. He was he was like trying to sell machines that promised to tell wa- turn water into gasoline. He was he had like a pharmacy scheme where he would like show someone like oh like look at this brilliant full pharmacy, and he had paid all the customers to be there and like got all the stuff in there on credit and they would move into the pharmacy, it was an empty room and he had just taken everything out of it. It would have been so like easy back then. But it was people. Literally, you would just have to go to another town and be like, hi, my name's Fred. Be like, hi, Fred. <laughs> be like, That's, I'm Fred now. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. Like, you, what are you going to tell me that I'm not? Those halcyon <laughs> days. Yeah. The halcyon easy, days. Easy deception, apparently murder. Yeah. Um, can we can we stick on this topic for a little while? Because like, you want to talk about serial murder? No, because like one of the one of the things I want to talk to you, like I always like talking to like geeky people mm-hmm. about like stuff that they get like that they are passionate or obsessed yeah, about. Yeah, hor- horror and film and so much horror, horror and the macabre yeah. are my favorite things in the world. Why? What like what like? Uh, do you have well, an idea of like what yeah, do you want? This? Yeah, yeah. So comedy and horror are the two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. So if I find most comedians are two things: uh, depressed and <laughs> horror fans. <What? laughs> Um, and it's because you're kind of turning those two aspects. So, like, horror and comedy are two of the only entertainment sources that can make a noise out of your body without your permission. <laughs> so, like, comedy makes you laugh, horror makes you scream, and they're both, like, these big, intense, the same things you can see that in cheap versions of them, like, a pop scare in horror mm. is a very cheap horror trick. You didn't actually elucid fear, you didn't actually gain what you're doing, in the same way that shouting a swear word or a racial thing in a joke is the version of a pop scare. You might get a laugh from someone, but it was like a nervous, oh, that you're not supposed to do that laugh. Mm -hmm. You didn't earn a joke. You didn't actually have an original thought. You're both just like getting that response. And in the same way, really good horror and really good comedy makes you think deeper about the human experience. Mm -hmm. So it makes you observe things more. It makes you be like, oh, like, why would you do that? What would lead you to these conclusions? And so I find both of them to be like a really interesting, like deep passion of examining humanity. Yeah. Of like saying like, oh, like here's the deepest you can go sadness and depravity. Here's the highest you can go joy and like whimsy. Uh, and yeah, so they, they're both these weird mirrors. So I have both, you know, tributes to Vincent Price in my house. And then on the other corner is like 1960s Batman. Because <laughs> that's a different version of comedy that I love. So. I like that. That makes a lot of sense. No, because I mean, like I love horror films. And I think there is like something that just like elucidates more about like humanity than like a drama or even like a documentary, I think, in a lot of ways. Um, yeah, I don't know. What's well, it's, I think a lot of it is transporting you. Every, every time, if you're watching a really good movie, it makes you, or play or podcast or book, it makes you forget where you are and wonder what you would be doing if that was you. Mm-hmm. So a really good drama can be fascinating, like especially like a relationship drama or like just a personal like heroism, like, oh, family death kind of drama. Is that like, oh, like it, when put in that situation, what will I do? Whereas like a horror movie, you're like, this is such an impossible situation. I can't even imagine my next move. And I think that leads to a lot more surprise and a lot more interest in it. Where it's like, you know, it's a classic thing like, why are you running up the stairs right now? The exit's right over there. And then you're like, well, if some guy's chasing you with your knife, how clear are you thinking? Are you like right now calmly on your couch? Yeah, you can backseat drive this person. But like in the same situation, are you going to be awesome at this? Yeah. And no one one has practice with with murder. Hopefully not. Well, Um, that I, one guy sure did. I can speak from experience as a person who has been personally assaulted a lot. I'm not great at reaction time. No, yeah. you never know, especially when you're in a situation where you're it's kind of a, a little bit larger than life. You don't know what your body is going to do at the no, time. And no. you can reflect upon it later and be like, oh, you know, I could have handled this this way or et cetera, et cetera. But you do have those instincts sort of built into you that you just yeah. react mm-hmm. rather it, than... 
as a weird example of that of that exact story, um, so I was at my parents' house when I was a teenager, and I'm watching an action movie, probably a Die Hard, uh, in, in the basement, and I hear noise outside. And I think it's like, oh, like a raccoon or something has gotten into our shed. So I go around, and there's a blind corner between the house and the shed. And what it was was a guy shouldering our shed open, trying to steal stuff. And uh, as I heard from the cops later, apparently that's, a, especially in the suburbs, a super common type of theft because no one alarms a shed. Right. And you don't usually notice stuff missing from a shed for a while, so mm-hmm. like reporting it is way... And you can sell, like, a grubby-looking guy can sell a lawnmower to a pawn shop easy. No yeah. one's going to ask a question rather than, like, an electronic. So um, I see him, he sees me, and my reaction was to shout, what? And then he grabbed the side of my head and just slammed it into the house oh. a couple oh times my God. until I fell over and he ran away. And so I'm telling the story later to my friends. I'm like, oh man, if I was there, I would have like punched him in the face. And they'd be like, no, 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 I was there. I'll tell you what you do is you, you have your, your head pants. slammed against yeah. the house yeah. a couple of times. And then while that's happening, your clear thought is, didn't think of this as a move. <laughs> Never even occurred to me this to grab option, someone. Yeah, yeah. To grab someone's head and slam it into stuff. Jesus. Oh my god. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But to put like again, like in, in a horror situation, you put yourself in that moment and it's like, you don't know what you're gonna do. Yeah. There's no, no way of knowing. Either yes. you have no idea. Yeah. No. Yeah. Alternatively, oh if you're in an obscenely comedic situation, you are equally dumbfounded. Yes. I found, especially I, I, I was told by the police I was the only one to ever draw their own police sketch in my district. <laughs> it wasn't great. It was like a really like Simpson-y version of it. Like the like big like cartoony eyes and stuff. But I had pencil crayons on hand and I'm like a not terrible artist. So I literally I'm like, oh he looks like this, he has kind of a beard like this, like his eyebrows are like this, this is the shirt he was wearing. And they're like, That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> You're hired. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, you got a really clear look at him. I'm like, well again, I was eye level. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, well, at least we can laugh about that now. Yeah, yeah. that was a thing that happened. It was uh, Halloween, too, so we gave the uh, police and the ambulance guys candy, and they loved it. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah, long story short, uh, if you hear noises from your shed, maybe just cut your losses. <laughs> just don't go out there. Maybe it is a raccoon. Maybe yeah. somebody's stealing your lawnmower. Find out tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Find out on the next podcast. Um, so... You brought this game in I for did. us to play it called it's, Utter Nonsense. I did. It is called Utter Nonsense. I have moderately censored a board game for us. <laughs> um, so Utter Nonsense is a very inappropriate game along the same lines of Apples to Apples or Cards Against Humanity. Uh, but what it is, is I thought appropriate for today, it's an accent game. So you will have a judge. I think this is the most Tylery game. It's very Tylery. It's the most Tylery I, game I possible. really, it's like when uh, Chris Hardwick would bring people out to go bowling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you're just good at this. Like, yeah. what, you can't. Chris Hardwick, <laughs> yeah. Peak brand. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so what we have in our hands right now is seven cards uh, that all have different pretty much non sequitur phrases that can't be applied to any particular thing. <laughs> oh, I'm oh, just yeah. nervous. Um, I'm going to be awful with this. And then <laughs> rather than in Apples to Apples or Cards Against Humanity fashion, blindly handing in the card and letting the judge make like a decision just based off the joke and not, you know, your friend at the table, how this works is the judge has to hear you say the accent yourself and then judges it from that. And the winner is the judge for the next round. Okay. okay, so we can probably so that way get you can't through a couple win two rounds. Round. Yeah, yeah, that way you can't win two in a row. Um, okay. So yeah, so uh, who wants to judge first? You go, you judge oh, first. Oh, I will judge first. Yes, All right. because... Oh. oh, good. And this has been shuffled, and the first accent is German. <laughs> so that we have to pick the funniest thing The funniest say. thing to say in a German accent. And then you can, you put it down, and then you redraw up your cards. So we're just all, I'll just fill the dead air while okay. you guys think. This is, this is your job. Uh, if you're looking for my films, you can find them on Shout Factory. That's Red Sonia, the motion comic. Red Sonia, Queen of Plagues. And Howard Lovecraft in the Frozen Kingdom, now available on Blu-ray. I don't know if it's streaming. Oh, the soundtrack, by the way, Howard Lovecraft. We actually had an orchestral soundtrack originally scored. Uh, and it's great. I have a little theme song. Oh, nice. Right? So I'm excited for that. Oh, and the next one has um, a lot of horror royalty. If you look at the IMDb. We've got Pinhead. We've got uh, Dr. Herbert West. Got a lot of a lot of folks in that. It's gonna be, it's gonna be a film. That's my review of it. <laughs> it will be a project. Yeah, okay. it will be upwards I, of eighty minutes long. Yeah. If not Does short. everybody have something they're gonna read in a, an awful German accent? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If you need any training on the German accent, you know, just ask. <laughs> and have examples. I I can do a couple of German accents. Oh yes, reach them. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 
not like I, you know, studied. No. Yeah, Bavarian, please. Oh, God. <laughs> Most babies are too stupid to know that they're wearing hand-me-down diapers. <laughs> I like the stupid. I like the, the, the stoop on that. All right. <laughs> Tell you what. We'll <laughs> call it even if you let me be my L on your wife's tease. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> what is that? What is that? I believe, I believe that was, we'll call it even if you let me be my L on your wife's tease. Oh, no. <laughs> great. And that, yeah. my kids, is a BLT. <laughs> We're just making sandwiches. Oh, no. I'm not going to unth- be able to unthink that now. Yeah. Like, ever. I'd like a BLT, I bet you would, you filthy. <laughs> <laughs> I get BLTs at work all the time. Yeah. Oh, the good. sandwich, not it's the... It's on the yeah. menu. Yeah, no. It literally, oh, God. It literally is. <coughs> it is. I know, Moving it's my favorite... Oh my god. Anyway. All right. <clears throat> Honey, football gets confusing with all those rules, but ain't nothing confusing about some of those titans. Mm. <laughs> oh, now I gotta choose. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, I think titans win. All right. So, Bray, you get to be the Bray, next judge. Do we like, so, ditch yeah, those? Yeah, you can ditch those, draw up, uh, and then this will be your. Ooh, that's fun. Redneck is our next accent. <laughs> Delightful. And all of us will just sound oh, like man. Toe Mater from Cars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, some of these oh, are just so, so filthy. So vaguely racist. Oh, <laughs> don't, then don't do the vaguely oh, okay. racist one. But I feel like with Redneck it would work well. I mean, that also applies, yes. Yeah. That's the thing. So this game, I suggest being played with close friends who have signed uh, non-disclosure agreements. <laughs> And understand that what happens in the game is not a reflection of your own personal views or beliefs. No. Um, Thank you for this disclaimer. I mean, it, no it's problem. just like it's high-level satire where where the joke is the offensiveness. Yeah. Not. And and again, might I, I'm just gonna put this in here because he might be listening. We don't know. Uh, this type of game and this type of humor is one of Eric Fell's least favorite things in the entire world. <laughs> uh, he finds... I, I had no idea he had strong opinions about the, that. Oh, yes. Cards Against Humanity jokes are one of his least favorite things yeah, in the... all of humor. To be fair, I don't think he would even classify it as in-humor. I think he would no. call it a sub-humorous genre, but I don't care. I, I think, think we talked words. about that with the, on the podcast with Joanna Gaskell, how much he freaking... Bo- he was like, I fervently hate... Uh, cards Against Humanity. Nothing against Cards Against Humanity, personally, if that's what you want to play. There are better games out there that are funnier. Yeah. Like, this isn't so bad. Yeah. yeah. Episode two of I'm gonna hear about this later. I'm going to get a strongly <laughs> removed. <laughs> Dearest Taylor, what you said on our podcast was, anyways. So, Redneck? Cards Against Humanity. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, we, it's it's a huge hit though with the Stormcrow. Like yeah. people love coming here just to play cards against humanity. So I'm not gonna entirely shit on it, because. Um, and what they do as a company is one of the most astounding things in the history of companies. Yes. Yeah, the company is more amusing and like more intelligent than the game is. Like, they did a STEM real. scholarship for a girl. Yeah. yeah. They gave a girl a four-year full tuition ride into STEM studies. Which is like I saw someone complain like, oh, one person, one girl. I'm like, yeah, they're a card game company. Yeah. What has Milton Bradley ever done for anyone? <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Anyways, right, so we got the we got redneck here. Okay. Sure. You. you oh, know, I'll go first. You, All right. I guess like, we go to the left. Yeah. So, yeah. Those fools came out stepping, so I had to pull out my heater. Pop, pop, pop. <laughs> then they curb stopped me because I missed. <laughs> oh man. <Okay. laughs> oh, uh, I think the card that we ripped up before was urban. By the way, oh. <laughs> yeah, we do not have that accent in the list anymore. Urban, <laughs> that, oh. Yeah, that was an excuse for very bad things to happen. Okay. I say, old boy, it's quite a downpour. Be a good lad and fetch me my slicker. <laughs> slicker sounds good. <laughs> you can do it. We believe in you. It's a very encouraging game. I just have Hank Hill in my head. Oh, don't you do Hank Hill? Yeah, yeah. Works. I tell you I'll what. Tell you what? Yeah. Oh, now I'm sad I didn't do it now. Someone with a t-shirt on isn't fooling anyone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I'm sad I didn't do a Hank Hill. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it, Bobby. Damn it, Bobby. Yeah, boy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Pocket sand. <laughs> well, as we know, too, Hank Hill is deep into S&M because he has propane and propane accessories. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Grown, <laughs> Grown. Internet. And scene. Uh, I'm going to give it to Taylor because yeah. she brought me back with some, like, foghorn leghorn. <laughs> 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 some realness. Yeah. I, I, I say, I say. I say. Yeah. 
Toddler. Toddler? Toddler. Oh, boy. So, like, baby talk? Like, baby yeah. talk. Um, right. <laughs> uh, no, we can't leave yet. I keep getting eye-fucked by that bartender. There's darkness in here. Yeah. Oh, man. It's going to get like worse. I feel like I've heard that before. <laughs> by a real human person. <laughs> That sure exact voice <laughs> last weekend. <laughs> Something that you overheard at, the, at work? Yeah. <laughs> My other job. With that exact voice as well? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. that's yeah. terrifying. Some girls just talk like that. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. There are true, they are true sights to behold. <laughs> Majestic beasts. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> the cop threw me in the back of his cruiser and asked him what it's like to suck Big Pappy's dick. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh man, mine oh, is. Oh man, these are both real. Mine is a timid, gentle breeze after the. Yeah, you <laughs> be the real human. Oh, sorry. <laughs> if you think people are inherently good, you probably never use the toilet at a gas station. Oh my god. Uh, oh man, these two. No, no, I'm not even in the running on that. That's yeah. so <laughs> For the listeners at home or in your car, I'm crying right now. Um, <laughs> I'll have it as a tie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then somebody has to judge. Okay, I'm going to throw it to Leah so Leah gets a turn. Yeah. Okay. okay. And I'm going to go take a shower. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Several in a row. Okay, let's, let's, nah, let's, should we end on that one? Yeah, let's All end right. on that one, I think. It's Noid. Nerd. See. Nerd. Fitting. It is weirdly apropos. Yep. Yeah, that's... So I think like like we're s I don't know I, I'm gonna take this time during this game to talk about political correctness and how that word means nothing. Um, so political correctness is a word that a lot of people use when they're mad that they have to try. Um, <laughs> it's true. It's like oh I have to put in a minimum of effort. Political correctness is ruining things today. Um, and one of the best examples I can think of, and this is how you can break it down to someone if you're having to. I, I am a strong believer you can't shout someone into being a better person. I find, like, it a just doesn't card. work. You can, protests card. are very good. Protests aren't shouting. Protests are a show of force and numbers, and that's good. But you can't like one-on-one -on -one Facebook shout argument someone into being a better person. And so the argument I heard broken down was very easily uh, Jerry Seinfeld, famous comedian, if you've never heard of him, um, <laughs> had an issue because people were being politically correct. He had a joke that people go through their phones now scrolling like a gay French king. And people have said, like, you can't say that. That's not politically correct. And uh, someone brought up the argument is the word people are laughing at that is gay. And they're laughing at it because of, like, the, the connotations of a gay person being very fanciful and very needy and that kind of thing. And you could have said any other word in front of that because you still have French king behind it. You'd be like, oh, you're like, you could have said fancy. You could have, like, oh, like, scrolling through, like, a fancy French king. Like, woo. And it's, it's the same joke, but the word you wanted to put in there because you knew it got the pop scare of a laugh was gay. And I was like, that's not political correctness. That's a gentle correction to tell you, think about where your laugh is, make a better joke. And I think that's, it's that simple where it's like, oh, I don't want to have to do the extra step, and why can't I say any word you can? It's like, you can. It's just people will be like, no, nah, I don't want to go to your show because you're lazy. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I want you to put effort in. Yeah, that's a, that's a good distinction to make in like comedy nowadays because you see comedians out there or you um, and they're doing work where they are not going for that cheap laugh and they're really putting their heart and soul into it and then you have on the other hand the people who are doing that and they and then yet they are still really famous and they still have Netflix specials and but bringing that to somebody's attention definitely made it like so what you're laughing at here is the fact that this person is trans not yeah. that this person is doing something interesting or funny. So that's the punchline. Yeah, the punchline is a thought based harder. off of a lot of background negative stereotypes. Yeah. And that's not fun. Yeah. And work harder. You're not being you know. censored when someone tells you they're not going to listen to you. <laughs> you're, you're being told, I don't like that by a person. That's fine. Yeah. So, anyways, I agree with that statement. And on top of that, let's get some more ridiculous. We have one more round yeah. to go. And, and, speak, and speaking of, let's not go for the cheap laugh, who has the cheapest laugh? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, nerd. Um. And, and now we also get to believe this is what we think other people think yeah. a nerd voice so, sounds like. So we should like. just use yeah. our regular voice. I was going to say, like, this could just be our voices. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to just do it in our regular voice? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good test to see if it's still funny. Yeah, just, exactly. This is nerd. 
Uh, like, uh, the only thing that comes to mind is, like, Professor Frank. Um, <laughs> you seem like the type of person whose password is one, two, three, four. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Yes, quite. Listen, son, uh, relationships are a lot like pancakes. You get really excited about the first bite, but halfway through you'll be pushing it away saying, I can't finish this. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Oh, man. (laughs) I thought, I thought. My panties got moist looking at that profile pic of you flexing. Swipe right. Uh, also, also, just my regular voice. My pr- panties got moist looking at that profile pic of you flexing. And I winked at Leah. Yeah. You were a finger gun. <laughs> um, Sorry. Hmm. Let's see, Tyler. Oh, yay. Pancakes. <laughs> yeah. Pancakes. Sorry, I randomly cut the deck as we're finishing here, and it just has a truth bomb. Uh, the world would be a better place if we were as outraged by gun violence as we were by poor cell phone reception. Oh, yeah. 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 Ending the podcast on a high note. Anyways, we're on the brink of nuclear war. Before we go, do you have anything you'd like to plug? Oh, uh, when is this coming out? Sometime. Sometime in the next week? Uh, You can find me on the Instagrams at dorkzombie, D-O-R-K, zombie. Um, I post there most. You can try to find me on Facebook, but I won't friend you because I don't know you. <laughs> um, That's a lie. You added me and you didn't even know me. I add everybody. I'm, yeah. a, uh, I'm hungry for it. You can follow Mr. Nickel, mm-hmm. the Facebook fan page. You can. Yeah. Which I forget is which there. BTW, it took me a little while to find you in, on stuff. Spell your last name. Oh. it's not the way you think it is. Yes. Uh, <laughs> T-Y-L-E-R. Oh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> my last name is N I C O L. It is Scottish. We are Nickel of the Clan MacLeod of the Isle of Lewis. Interesting. <laughs> yes. Too much information. No, no, you don't need to go all the way back. I have a castle somewhere. Let's yeah. find it. I've got a castle somewhere too. Yeah. Yeah. Is it the murder castle? <laughs> yes. Full circle. Um. Uh, that segue was so good that it killed its creator. <laughs> <laughs> Head desk. Um. Okay. We have all the other stuff in that. I've been Taylor. I still am Taylor. Oh. Oh, continue what being you Taylor. You have a, con- <laughs> you have a conditional personality. <laughs> I do. And we also have been. That's the, been Leah. That's yeah, yeah. That was Leah. Right here. She was here. And also. Bray. Bray. <laughs> God damn it, guys. <laughs> Just <laughs> not giving you so well. an inch. Oh, I know what to plug. <laughs> you can find me in the first and third Tuesday and Wednesday of every month doing the Storm Quiz with Eric Fell as the Vancouver Quiz Masters at the Storm Crow Tavern and Storm Crow Ale House. Also, just we call it Nerd and Trivia, and you guys call it the Storm Quiz. Yeah, well, uh, it's weird trivia, that you're, which is the Storm Quiz. It's weird that you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Oasis. Well, it's Eric's, and he allows me to be there, which is nice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh, Yeah, and I think we're done. Okay, cool. Bye. I am a lot of relationships that that sentence. (laughs) I think we're done. (laughs) You've been listening to the Storm Crow Cast. Subscribe on SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play. Do you have questions, comments, or helpful suggestions? Why not send them to our Facebook page, Twitter, or Instagram by using at StormCrowCast. If you're in Vancouver, why not experience us in person by visiting the StormCrow Tavern on Commercial Drive or the StormCrow Alehouse on West Broadway. We will now relinquish what little control you had of your mind back to you. We'll be back soon. <laughs>